Hello, and welcome back to Learn It from a Layman. I'm Carl Christensen, joined tonight by Tim. I put the density in population Cox. That's right. Population density wouldn't be so dense without me. It's true. The uh, significantly less dense. Uh, we're going to talk about demographics today. So um, that seemed apropos. Um, Tim, you want to give us the definition that, like, of apropos? The thing people say. <laughs> what? You keep saying apropos like it's a thing people say. <laughs> I think it is. A certain segment of the population. Hmm? Yeah, a, like a dead, certain demographic. A, from the 1800s. <laughs> certain I've heard a lot of lawyers say apropos, so I'm just trying to get into the in crowd. That is, <laughs> that's an argument against it. <laughs> We've had uh, Mick McGurr, attorney at law, on our podcast, and so let's He's not the slander. That proves the rule. <laughs> slander. <laughs> I'll, okay. I'll stick to, to libel. Yes, exactly. Uh, wait, does anybody print your work? I don't think it can be libel if it's not printed. Yeah, well, uh, that's that's. I'm going to get it printed eventually once I get some. <laughs> okay. Okay, um, demographics. Let's talk a little bit about demographics. Um, demographics are, um, well, before I guess, so uh, let me give the definition and then we'll talk a little bit about why even discussing demographics for some people is um, you know, a, a touchy subject maybe, but um, all right, demographics let, is- let me, let me real quick start you off just to give the layman a, a ramp up to this. Demographics. So you walk into Costco and they have those big LCD screens up with like the aquarium and the really beautiful, you know, scenes going across. You're like, wow, check out those graphics and demographics. It's a okay. Nope. But uh, it was, uh, I appreciate the somewhat lackluster attempt at humor. So, um, Picky, picky. <laughs> okay, demographics are statistical data relating to the population and particular groups within the population. So, um, the there are, I guess, seven main demographic characteristics, seven common variables gathered in research. That's uh, age, sex, income level, race, employment, location, home ownership, and level of education. And so demographics is often used in um, social science research, but it's also frequently used in politics. And that's why you get kind of this hot button feel if you're talking about demographics. However, um, demographics are really just facts, right? They're just, you know, it's census data. It's, um, uh, it's trying to figure out what, uh, you know, just, just trends and, and, actually identify characteristics of your population. And so it is uh, of itself not political at all. And that's what we what we do here, learning from a layman, is just discuss facts that the layman should know. And being familiar with demographics, I think, is, is useful because it gives you a picture and kind of a global awareness. Um, 
what you want to do with that is up to you. Uh, I hope useful and constructive things, but uh, the actual discussion of the facts of, you know, population density and age and all these other things, they're just what they are. And whatever spin you want to put on them is uh, any projection uh, of the future is also things we're not particularly interested in because the future is an unknowable uh, variable. So the uh, but with things that we know or have done um, pretty good extrapolation of, of the data that we have to be able to figure out what uh, you know what income levels are because we can't always get exact data or we as if I were a social scientist or a demographic scientist even. But um, Tim, uh, any uh, uh, addendum on my uh, explanation of demographic? So a demographic scientist, aka demographinator. Yeah. That, that's Actually, a movie. There's a movie about that. Is it with Arnold Schwarzenegger? I'll survey back. <laughs> Get to the chopper. <laughs> I, demographer, um, I guess, would be the uh, the word. But yeah, yeah, no, I I agree with everything you said. You know, so that far, seems incredibly unlikely. Um, yeah, um, well, I'm I'm saving my punches. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about some interesting um, uh, demographic statistics and some uh, some of the things that we can learn based on um, some of these this this data that's been uh, assembled. So uh, let's talk. So we're a worldwide pod podcast. So I'd start, I thought we'd start with talking about world demographics, uh, world population, um, and I think uh, people are aware that we crossed the nine. Nope, the eight billion dollar. I'm struggling. Eight billion uh, person uh, count the Carl, population of the world. Don't feel bad. I lost count after seven billion. So <laughs> it's really tricky up there in the you know low uh, eight billion counting. <laughs> um, yeah, we're over eight billion people in the world now as of 2022, and. Uh, the projections, once again, projections I'm less interested in, but they at least give you an idea. I will talk a little bit more about where where population is headed, but um, at, based on current data, but um, projected nine million as uh, sometime in around the year 2037. Um, nine million. That's right. Did it's I say nine million? Drop. <laughs> <laughs> I just predicted an Armageddon. Of <laughs> truly, I mean that would. Wow. Okay. Nine billion, <laughs> nine billion people in 2037. Give or take a decimal point or three. <laughs> One of the interesting things about this demographic, though, is, is if you look at world population over the course of, you know, the last, you know, couple hundred years, you see just an exponential spike. Um, and, and that, but, the, and that is true. So from the year 1804, um, the population of the world was uh, 1 billion. And uh, that's, you know, just slightly over 200 uh, years ago. And that was a billion. So you can imagine that the thousands and thousands of years before that, um, you know, compared to the last 200 years, if you put it all on a graph, it looks uh, exponential. 
Um, it is the case, though, if you uh, graph it out by uh, the last 200 years, you can see that there was a massive spike, but that we're starting to see kind of a more traditional growth in population as far as it's no longer exponential, it's more linear. And um, anyway, so 1804, we had 1 billion. By the year 1960, we had 3 billion. And 1999, we had uh, 6 billion. And so in the last 24 years, we've uh, added an extra 2 uh, billion people to the world. Um, oh. But yeah, that's world population. Let's talk a little bit about population um, uh, age and, uh, and, and the ratio of sex, uh, sexes. So age-wise... Which, which is a, a factor in that uh, booming increase. The, yeah. For sure. Longevity is absolutely a huge part of this. Um, and it turns out that, that a lot of the reason that we have the uh, growth in population that we've seen um, in the last 10 to 15 years has less to do actually with the birth rate and more to do with longevity. Um, so let's talk, uh, like I said, so as far as uh, total uh, life expectancy and an age of the population, uh, the global average life expectancy right now is 73.3 years as of 2022. Men are living shorter than women uh, by an average of about five years. Um, but uh, it says uh, approximately 26.3% of the global population is under age 15. Uh, 65%, almost 66% is aged between 15 and 64, and 8% is uh, 65 or over. So hold that in your memory real quick. If you, you want to picture kind of a pie chart, the biggest chunk is that uh, between 15 and 64, right? 66%. Because if you then look at some of the specific data for particular countries, you see a very different picture. Um, for example, right now in Japan, and by right now, I mean this is a, this data is a few years old. Uh, old, but um, the number of uh, people in Japan that are age 65 plus is thir almost 37 million out of 126 million. So we're looking at you know uh, more than a quarter, less a little bit less than a third of the people in um, in Japan are age over 65 years old. Um, and so the demographics in, in different countries look very different than the worldwide demographics is the point. Um, and that has to do one with um, the uh, health system. Like I said, the, the, the idea that in particular countries, you can get health care for elderly people that keeps them alive for longer. It also has to do with the birth rate. And so let's talk a little bit about the fertility rate, which is kind of the demographic term for uh, how many uh, children are born to uh, women. So in 2010, the global fertility rate was estimated at 2.44. Um, as a uh, as a rule, the the population, in order to keep the population steady, um, it needs the uh, for total fertility rate needs to be somewhere around 2.1 because of um, 
childhood mortality and all the other accidents that lead to people dying off. So, um, uh, before, before they reach, you know, full age. So fertility rate, uh, at 2.44 per children, uh, per, per one, 2.44 ch- children per women, uh, is obviously significantly less than it used to be. Um, but that is yeah, that, what the that rate global would not rates are in exponential growth. Correct, exactly. And that's that's what we're seeing is that uh, right now um, there are very few countries that uh, have, a, well, most what we term you know Western countries, countries in uh, Europe and the United States uh, have fertility rates that are either at or below replacement level. And so that and is say mo- most industrialized nations are are now below. i'm I'm trying to think of any, what we would, you know, the Western or industrialized nations that are still above replacement level. Uh, I can't think of any, but can you? I mean, huh? Yeah. Um, United States is below replacement level. Right. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I, United States is close. I think I have that st- statistic here somewhere, but I've got a bunch of different statistics that I'm going to go through here. But you're right. Um, most and, and, and Europe and, and Japan are are kind of the uh, the, uh, the leading tip as far as saying that they're the very significantly below for the uh, for total fertility rate necessary to maintain a particular population. So if you're wondering, the layman does frequently wonder these things. Well, what is it, like how come population still growing in places like the United, the United States, uh, the UK, Italy? Um, it's almost entirely from um, immigration. So when you're having people immigrate, um, as, as opposed to having uh, children being born in those countries, and that's how you're seeing population growth. Um, just as a, I was saying, this is significantly lower than it used to be. As of 2021, the, the fertility rate of the world was 2.32. Uh, if we just look back, um, what is that? 32 years now. Uh, the difference, once again, this is at a worldwide level. So these numbers uh, are massive as far as the, the significance and, and small changes. But it's 2.32 as of 2021. Uh, 32 years ago, we're looking at over three. Um, and that's a massive difference, obviously, if you're looking at the um, population growth as of thir- 32 years ago versus now. Um, mortality rate, though, is dro- infant mortality and life expectancy. So infant mortality has dropped uh, a massive uh, percentage. So infant mortality uh, per thousand births uh, 32 years ago is 63. So ever, every thousand births, there were almost 64 uh, child infant or infant mortality uh, rate. So that's that's so high. It's hard to like that's you know that not not even conceivable uh as of uh 2021 it's uh 28. so we've cut that in a third in the last 20, 32 years so that's really thanks to modern medicine and good medical care uh, and medical care that did exist 32 years ago that didn't exist but didn't exist in underdeveloped countries so that's starting to make uh, inroads into countries that otherwise um hadn't didn't have access to uh, modern medicine 
Um, life expectancy similarly has gone up from 64 about from 1992 uh, all the way up to 71 worldwide in 2021. So lots of progress from a uh, perspective of, um, you know, medical advancements and the ability to get the, those uh, to the masses across the world. And, uh, and that obviously then shows you that the, um, the growth that we've seen in population has a lot to do with that, um, as opposed to uh, the total fertility rate, which has dropped significantly. Um, but that is a little bit of the world statistics. Um, the real quick population distribution, and this is, I think most laymen are familiar with this, but let's just go per continent. So in Asia, right, uh, as of 2019, it's almost 60% of the world's population lived in Asia. Um, obviously, the leading countries in that are uh, China and India, who together have over 2 billion people. So that's um, a significant and, portion. And and yeah, I, I, more than a billion apiece for each. And just for comparison, the United States is the third most populous country with less than 300 million. So right. I got those right, Carl? Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, so you think think about that triple the size of the United States, and it's still not as big in population wise as either India or China. And uh, right. they they both have massive populations. And of course, I'll insert this fun fact right now: India just a few months ago passed China as the most populous nation in the world. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, did uh, we throw them a party? So, <laughs> right. You know, um, I think there's like a trophy that kind of gets passed around. Uh, it's like your fantasy football trophy in the office. That's right. <laughs> um, yes. So, yeah, th those are two massive countries with huge populations, and uh, and the uh, that obviously contributes largely to the the idea the the, the population for the. Um, for that continent, like I was talking about. So, um, where was I? Asia, uh, I said 40, uh, 4 billion. Um, Africa has 1.3 billion. I, oh, I was giving in percentages before. Uh, where did I put that stat? Um, here it is. So 16.7% uh, uh, for Africa. Um, Europe has 9.8% of the world population. Uh, North America 7.2, South America 5.5, and then half a percent for Oceania. And Antarctica has zero. So that's population by um, Continent, a real quick breakdown of, of just like Tim said, the most populous countries. India has uh, passed um, China as the number one populous country in the world, uh, the United States, and then it's Indonesia, Pakistan, Nigeria, Brazil, Bangladesh, Russia, and Mexico, top 10. So um, it kind of also gives you an insight. I was going to talk a little bit about population density. We talked a little bit about what that means, but uh, how much how many people live in a particular area. So it's a 2023 popula population density in the world is 54 people per square kilometer or 140 people per mile if you're backwards like us from the United States. Um, 
<clears throat> calculating the total land area of so then it says the whole amount of area across the whole world. So um, <clears throat> 54 people per kilometer it gives you an idea that there are super dense areas and then there are super rural areas. Um, something that we obviously knew, but demographics also gives you a, a way to quantify that. And I think it's really interesting to see, um, and there are a few stats out there, but I'm going to give it you obviously in the in an audio format. I can't show it to you, but the um, world population in the last 70 years has become significantly more urban. Um, population density essentially meaning uh, in in urban areas where you know big city centers have become significantly more um, dense and rural areas have become significantly more sparse. So the majority of population is building in urban areas or, or, or growing in urban areas. So in 1955, um, we were looking at about 68% of the population was rural and 32% was urban. Now this is 1955, it sounds like, um, you know, a while ago, but obviously that's post, um, you know, agricult agricultural, you know, revolution. It is, it's not like we have just a bunch of farmers out there, but the, uh, as of 1955, over, you know, 68% of the population was still living in rural, you know, uh, areas. Fast forward to 2023, it's now 43% in rural and 57% urban. So it's already flipped. More people live in cities and large cities in, in rural areas. Uh, and the trend is, appears to be accelerating, not decelerating. So uh, population density, uh, if you drive outside of your urban center, is probably dropping. The number of people that uh, live in these rural areas, you, can, you see it in uh, you know, Midwestern United States where it's just it's hard to sell a house. <laughs> People don't want to live there as opposed to going to these major city centers, New York, LA, um, and population there is increasing significantly. Tim, any insight? Just to wrap your head around how huge some of these urban areas are, you can uh, consider the greater Tokyo metropolitan area. Um, you know, one of the largest metropolitan centers in the world. And if you take all the contiguous city population there and add it up, the, the whole population is approximately equal to the population of California. You know, imagine all of California clustered into one city. It's um, crazy. And actually, and have California a is pretty populous, you know. It's a <laughs> I live so, there, I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the, just, you um, know, these are huge cities, you know, dozens of millions of people. Um, anyways, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's 2,777 people per square kilometer in Tokyo. Wow. That, and once again, lot. if you, the first number I gave you, which is total population density for the world, 54 people per square kilometer. And Tokyo is over 2,000, 2,777. <laughs> so yeah, um, a little bit more dense than on than the average. Um, but yeah, that's uh, Shanghai is the most densely populated uh, urban area in China, which has, um, get this, 
6,168 people per kilometer. Wow. Yeah. So Shanghai is just per square kilometer, right? Per square. What did I say? But yeah. Well, kilometer. Uh, oh, square which, kilometer. If it's 6,000 plus per kilometer, that would be. <laughs> okay, everyone line up. Okay, pack it in. <laughs> Everyone's got to stand in the line the whole time they live in Shanghai. Um, no. So yeah, that the Shanghai. I have, I have been to China. I have not been to Shanghai. Tim, have you been to Shanghai? Only in my Shanghai. mind and heart. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I've, I've been to Beijing. Um, been I've been to Hong Kong. Uh, those are super densely populated in my mind, but apparently it pales in co uh, comparison to Shanghai. So, um, but that get this—that's still not the most densely populated area. I've got I pulled that up right now. Apparently, Mumbai can uh, holds the claim as the most densely populated urban area, at over eighteen thousand people per square kilometer. Wow, crazy. 18,000 people in a square kilometer. A square kilometer is not that big. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think, you know, a town of 18,000. That's a pack it into a, huh. Into a square do you, kilometer. Do you, have the, do you have the stats on the most densely populated country? Is it Bangladesh? Uh, do I have that? That's major cities. Let's sign out. Uh, I don't see it off, uh, right away here. Probably but, something um, like an or like a, a city, you know, nation like maybe Singapore or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. I might have that somewhere, Tim, but I've got a lot of data open here. So, which is uh, most populous countries? Oh, that's not it. Well, we'll, we'll crowdsource. Uh, oh, here we go. I got it. I found it. Oh, I, oh I, all right. I found it, Tim. I found it. Ooh. It's Singapore. Oh, okay. So correct. Cool. Population density of the whole country of Singapore, which for those of you that are familiar with your geography, Singapore is just an island, um, but it is 8,235 people per square kilometer, per square kilometer. Well, for the whole country, huh? Yeah, yeah. So uh, quite dense, though. Wait, I'm confused. How did they rank this? Uh, oh, yeah. Yep. And then Bangladesh is second. At 1,116. Okay. I was, I was looking at a population number in Bangladesh's population is 165 million, as opposed to Singapore's 6 million. But obviously, uh, then over the area, the square kilometers of uh, Singapore are 719. So mm. <laughs> uh, not a lot of area to distribute the population. Um, anyway, so there's some of the, the worldwide data. Um, and like I said, you can extrapolate or use whatever, you know, is it telling you anything the layman didn't know? Probably not, but it is, I think it paints a clear picture of what, um, what you know, what's happened in the world and uh, urbanization and, um, you know, where, uh, where growth is happening and where it isn't happening. Um, as far as um, growth rate is concerned, uh, Nigeria, I believe, is the number one country, uh, at least from 1990 to 2010. Nigeria grew at a rate of 62 um, percent. That's probably. I, I imagine that's why I know that uh, demographers project that Nigeria will 
in you know in short order a generation or two pass many countries and leap onto one of the highest spots on the on the list for population i think it'll pass the united states within the next 50 years which is interesting because if you look at nigeria it's total area is not that much greater than i think the state of texas you know so it's sure it's uh, yeah dense densely populated populated as well i think you're right um i might have the statistic somewhere here but i don't see it offhand um but yeah that's the growth rate there in nigeria is is obviously astounding um, the United States is still growing significantly. Once again, this is older data that I'm looking at here. As of 2010, uh, for, or from that 20-year period from 1990 to 2010, the United States grew at a 22% uh, clip, which is a pretty good growth rate. But a lot of that really is uh, thanks to uh, immigration. Uh, some of that obviously is uh, still the fact that uh, as of 1990 and through some of the 2000s, I believe the United States was still above the fertility rate required to be a growing country. I don't believe that's true anymore. And I'll see if I can back that up before the end of the podcast and see if I have I'll, that data. I'll second that. I, I've read that the United States is no longer above replacement level, but you can find the stat. That'll be nice to have the number. I did find the number for the total fertility rate for the United States. So in the in 1800s, the average U.S. woman had seven uh, children. So average U.S. female had seven children by the wow. first decade of the 1900s. That's average. That's the average in, in 1800. You have to once again figure out, figure in the fact that child mortality was, infant mortality oh, was yeah. just huge. Um, by the first decade of the 1900s, this number had already decreased to 3.5. So cut in half in 100 years. Um, since the 1970s, the birth rate has been below replacement level of 2.1. And as of 2018, the number was 1.72. Which is substantially below. Yeah, and I guess 2021 is the most recent data, and it's 1.664. So it continues to drop. So we are certainly... Yeah. Oh, I was saying, didn't the uh, COVID pandemic put a pretty big dent in fertility rates uh, worldwide? That might be true. I'm not entirely sure what those statistics look like. I think also as uh, a um, you know another part of this statistic, a woman or this demographic number, women's mean age at first birth. Um, I think that at some point in the history is probably uh, wildly low, like in their their teen years. But uh, women's mothers' net first mean age at first birth now stands at twenty seven point one years. Mm. So uh, women are older when they have their first, which obviously then makes it significantly, uh, you're significantly less likely to have uh, multiple babies uh, if you're if you're starting later in life. So, um, but yeah, completed the total fertility rate for the United States uh, stands most recently at 1.664, and once again for population maintenance, just keeping the same number of people. Uh, we'd be looking at needing 2.1 percent, or two, sorry, percent, 2.1 children per per woman. Um, so we're almost uh, 0.5 below that um, as of 2021. Um, so just just uh, wanted to get that in there. One other thing before we leave world uh, demographics behind here, uh, once again something I was interested in, and I think a lot of the laymen are. 
is the um, uh, percentage or the, the men versus woman uh, total amounts. And it turns out the um, it's a 1.01 to 1 ratio. As of 2020, the global sex ratio is 1.01 males to 1 female. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And I saw a, a graphic for that as well. And it's interesting uh, because it it does it by uh, age group as well in this uh, graphic that I saw. And it shows that oh, for the first 60 years of life, there are surplus males, <laughs> more males than females. Uh, and then in the last 20 years of life or, you know, 20 to 30 people living into their 90s, obviously, uh, there's a surplus of females because men have died off. Um, is, but, the, uh, is the initial surplus due to um, gender bias, people uh, aborting female babies or that kind of thing, or is there another reason for it? So as far as like uh, what I've read, um, uh, this I didn't look at this in the data specifically, but some some of it probably is, uh, you know, there are still areas of the world in which uh, male babies are are viewed to be, um, you know, better, and so that that probably does contribute to some. But I think what I've read is biologically there is a a, a dis, uh, an imbalance as well. It isn't just a social constraint it actually is biological and that some bi uh, biologists were trying to to come up with the reasons and and that there are evolutionary reasons as to why you need more men than women because men um i mean throughout the history of humanity uh go to war and kill each other and um and so in order to overcome some of those issues uh <laughs> biology adapted uh I don't mean to misstate bio, uh, biologists, actual scientists out there. So go ahead and correct me if I'm wrong. But that's what I remember reading is that there is some biological component that uh, seems to indicate that more men will be born even in a world where, the, you know, where there is no sex selective abortion, that it is just a biologically under, underlying, uh, you know, different difference between the number of uh, male and female fetuses. And if that's the case, I would be really curious to know like what the mechanism is and how it achieves such a subtle distinction, <laughs> you know, that, that the, you know, the right. differentiation would only show up on the scale of millions. Right. You know, or I, thousands, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, I don't, uh, this is learned from a layman, Tim. And, uh, <laughs> but, but like I said, I, I have done some reading, uh, from, from scientists that have studied this and I, yeah, I, I don't know that I can state it well because it, they, you know, they had a long paper about, um, just how, how that works and how it, honestly, even societal factors seem to in, uh, actually influence the biology, like, um, of, uh, of, you know, uh, reproduction. So, I don't know. Hmm. Well, you geneticists out there, you comment in the uh, comment below, and um, or wait, is that a thing that we do on? Well, they can computer? answer a Q and A whether or not they liked it afterwards. So oh, that's kind of like the same thing, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, go ahead. Uh, give us your best informed information okay um informed information <laughs> and nothing less than informed information <laughs> by golly 
kind of information is not informed? I've, I've heard a lot. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about, um, I, I think we're going to move on. To, so world world demographics are, are interesting. Um, and like I said, we have uh, worldwide listeners. Uh, the other thing we're going to touch on um, before we move to U- U.S.-based demographics are is uh, worldwide religions. And this is, once again, part of the uh, demographic key you know, metrics. And uh, the uh, I, th- I thought, as I was reading through this, this once again, demographics are often things that as a uh, layman we kind of have a general picture of but i think it's useful to have a more uh, granular picture and a better understanding of what and where so um, christianity worldwide uh, has 2.38 billion adherents uh, so that's 31 percent of the world population this is uh, as of 2010 now i guess 2020 uh, they're working on estimates for these numbers, I, I don't know. Some of these, uh, it wasn't clear to me whether or not they these are estimates for 2020 or this is the data they collected in 2010. But uh, 2.38 billion, uh, and uh, Islam has 1.9 billion, um, so 25, about 25 percent of the world population. A secular, non-religious, agnostic, atheist, all uh, together in one category here, 1.19 uh, billion, and that's about 15.58 percent. Um, and then Hinduism is 1.16 billion, uh, uh, 15%, and Buddhism at uh, 506 million, or 6.6%. And then a number of other, as you go down the um, list of of world religions, but um, the, I get, once again, the 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 percentages globally, I think, are interesting. But I think, obviously, if you drill down a little bit more, you get a, a better picture of what certain countries look like, um, what's you know the populations of certain countries, um, you know what religious affiliations they have, um, and so I think I'm just going to touch on a couple here. Tim, did you know the Vatican City is 100% Roman Catholic? Wait, what? <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Vatican City is the uh, uh, that is the smallest country in the world. It is just the Vatican, which is in Italy, which is uh, where the the Pope lives. It's uh, the seat of Roman Catholicism. So, yeah, one thing that you didn't learn today is that the Vatican City is one hundred percent Catholic. Um, but yeah, wait, there, it turns out. What really blew my mind is if it was like ninety nine percent Catholic. You're like, wait, what's the? <laughs> who's that? Who's that one guy? <laughs> um, no, I, I. What this one is interesting. This is almost like a different, a different podcast. I don't even know what these are, but the Pitcairn Islands. Tim, do you know what the Pitcairn Islands are? Sorry, sorry, I was muted. Um, uh, Polynesian Islands, one of the last settled and one of the most remote with the worst outcomes as far as the population. Worst? Oh, you mean like, what? What do you mean? The population that settled there, things didn't go well for them. I guess it was not a, 
it was not like your your typical you when you think of Polynesian islands, you know, these kind of tropical, you know, breezing, rainforesty places that apparently is anyways, it was like one of the most remote and I think uh easternmost of the island uh settled by the by the Polynesian explorers. And yeah. This is why we have Tim on the podcast. Uh-huh. And and I can speak with authority, assuming that hopefully there's no one from the Pitcairn Islands listening or, or <laughs> actual geographers. Or... Right. Well, apparently 100% of the population of the Pitcairn Islands is Seventh-day Adventist. Oh, wow. <clears throat> yeah. So that was interesting. I certainly didn't know that. Um, Samoa is 99% or about 99% says Protestant. Um and uh, let's see if we can pick off any more interesting ones here. But uh, uh, Mexico is about 95% Roman Catholic. That's, I think, the largest one uh, uh, country on this list uh, with, with such a large percentage. I mean, Mexico is a large country, about 95% Roman Catholic. Even Italy? Where is Italy? It's in yeah. Europe. Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I do not see Italy on this list of uh, the greatest proportion of Christians. So, hmm. sorry. And nope, uh, now I'd be curious, the like Middle Eastern nations and the, the majority Muslim countries. Yeah, I was going to touch on that. Oh, okay. Let's hear it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there are two countries in the Middle East that are uh, 100% Muslim. Um, I don't know what this first one is or how to say it. Mauritania. Mauritania. I'm, go- I'm sticking with that. I don't know what that is. I don't know. Mauritania, it's an island. It's an island off of Africa. Oh. Okay. There you go. 100% um, Muslim. The Maldi- Maldives uh, are... 100% Muslim. Also islands? Uh, yes. And then Ga- the Gaza Strip is 99.9% Muslim. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, as far as, I mean, the, the most, so what you can, there are in, in the Christian countries, there are a number of countries that are, you know, 92, 93%, 97% even um, Christian, which is a, obviously a huge percentage um, there are a lot and large countries um, that are 98 or 99 percent um, Muslim, like Iraq is 99 percent. Uh, Iraq is a large country. Turkey is 98.6 percent. Um, Iran is 99.6. Uh, Yemen is 99.8. Uh, Libya is 96.6. I mean, these are uh, Pakistan, 96.4. These countries are large populations and just uh, I'm almost exclusively about, um, Muslim United Arab Emirates I'm curious just because uh, from what I understand they have a large immigrant population um, United Arab Emirates doesn't rank in the top 26 sorry Tim ah, okay yeah um, so that uh, and so and then for those that are not religious that listen to the podcast, uh, irreligious and atheists, um, the Czech Republic is 78.4% uh, irreligious or atheists. 
North Korea is 71.3%. Um, Hong Kong, it's interesting 54. that they've got that, you know, 30, almost 30% that still religious in North Korea. Yeah. yeah, I don't, yeah under, I, under that regime. Right. I don't know what, uh, what religion that would be. Um, so there are a number of world religions. I don't know. Buddhism. I don't, I don't know, honestly. Uh, what, uh, Buddhism. Yeah. yeah. You'd imagine, but I don't know. Do, uh, do we have any, uh, North Korean listeners? I don't think so. <laughs> I, I that, think that someone has. Quite, listened. That would be pretty, pretty cool if we did. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. We're, we're huge me. there. And then we'll, we'll go over yeah. with Dennis Rodman here pretty soon. I think. <laughs> Uh, China is 51.8% irreligious or atheist. Um, and then some of the uh, Scandinavian countries rank uh, pretty high on irreligious or atheist. That's uh, the Netherlands at 44%, um, Sweden at 29%, uh, and so on down. But um, so, oh, sorry, I, I, I have to touch at least on Hindus. So a uh, uh, number of uh, Hindus per uh, country, uh, Nepal is 81.3% uh, Hindu. India is almost 80%. And as we know, the population of India is its most populous country in the world. So that is a you know, lot of uh, Hindus um, in India. Um, let's see. Oh, well, hey, look, there's Suriname. This doesn't surprise me. It's 22.3%. Um, I met a lot of Hindus while I lived in Suriname. Uh, Suriname and Guyana have a large percentage of people that immigrated there from India. And so they uh, imported their religion. So that is uh, the case in Guyana is 25%. So, uh, yeah, it, there are really... A, so two um, majority Hindu countries in the world, and that's Nepal and India. Real quick, Buddhists, um, that is Cambodia at 97%, Thailand at 93%, um, Sri Lanka at 70%, and so on. So, and then there's a bunch of Chinese religions that, uh, that make up some, uh, but we're going to be done with the the religion numbers now here, but that uh, once again, I think gives you an idea of what uh, what's going on in those countries. Some of their, you know, the identity of the population of the country, um, and what uh, it, I'm. We could talk about statistics as far as what uh, where the trajectory is as far as religious affiliation in the different countries, but that uh, I think is going to be on the scope of this podcast. Um, I wanted to touch a little bit on. Um, some U.S. numbers here, because obviously the vast majority of our listeners are in the United States. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, the United States specifically. Tim touched on a couple of these, but we're going to talk about population. So the United States, as of 2023, uh, projected to uh, had about 335 million people. Um, and how that's distributed, age and sex. A person's under five about 5.6%, uh, under 18, 21.7%, 65 and over at 17%, and then, uh, and then females are 50, 50.4%. 50. Um, 
So that gives, uh, that's a little bit obviously more, um, that that's different than the 0, 1.01 to uh, 1 ratio of the, for the world. Sounds like the United States has more females that, uh, per male than, um, than the, the world does on, on the whole. And I'm doing my uh, part to help that. <laughs> yeah, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we both have a bunch of daughters, for those of you that are wondering. Um, okay. Uh, Race-wise, the uh, United States has, uh, is about 75.5% white, 13.6% black or African-American. Uh, it is 1.3% American Indian or Na uh, Ala Alaska Native, which this is my plea again, once again, for the Yukon Territory. We need someone in the Yukon Territory to listen to our podcast. I mean, we somehow penetrated Tasmania to the point that every week someone in Tasmania listens to us, but we can't get anyone in, like, I could almost run to the Yukon. And I can't get anyone to listen. I'll bet if you yeah. ran to Yukon, the Yukon Territory, <laughs> someone I'd would get someone. <laughs> I should do that. I won't, but I should. <laughs> um, okay, Asia, Asian in the United States, 6.3%. Native Hawaiian or other Pacific Islander, 0.3%. Uh, wow, that's so much lower than I thought it would be. I know a lot of... Pacific Islanders. All right. Well, well, um, you, you are in the West Coast, so that would. <laughs> well, that is true. Probably disproportionate uh, representation in, in the among people that I know. Uh, and that Hispanic is is, I guess, just rolled in with with the white. No, I've got it. I've got it right here. Hispanic oh, okay. or Latino is nineteen point one percent. Okay, but so so. Oh, the, you're right. You're correct. I'm sorry. I I just looked at it. white is seven. Yes, exactly. So white alone and not Hispanic is fifty eight point nine, and Hispanic and Latino is uh, nineteen point one. So yeah, they rolled them together. I guess depending on how how we characterize it, and that that probably is a, a good point to note that race classification is is hardly uh, as precise as people would I think right. historically. Uh, observe it to be and or think it to be right because i'm looking at this right here two or more races three percent it seems woefully low like right i mean there are so many people that are multiracial um i don't know i, I mean maybe, maybe that's just my perception and uh this is good uh a good chance once again for demographics to kind of reset the picture and be like oh this is really some uh, a small group and we should probably also recognize the limits of these statistics and gathering statistics where this is probably, you know, how did people check the box when the U.S. Census people came by, you know, and how how do I identify myself, you know, whatever my, my ancestry may be. Um, and, you know, so, yeah, right. like, like, these right. numbers are, are kind of a, a fuzzy picture of what's already a, a fuzzy concept. 
Yeah, that, and that's a good point. And, and demographics as a whole, um, you know, when we're dealing with <laughs> numbers this large and, and uh, characteristics that like like race or religion, you know, these things are, yeah, I mean, amorphous and not always entirely clear lines that can be cut. Um, and so um, it is useful to recognize that, you know, these statistics, I think, do inform us, uh, but, you know, they are they're imperfect. And that's a good reminder, Tim. Um, okay, veterans. There are 17 million veterans in the United States. Do you know that? Oh, nice. Um, Foreign-born persons, so people not born in the United States, uh, represent 13.7% uh, of all people of the whole population in the United States. So 13.7%. Um, Let's see anything else I wanted to touch on. Oh, education. So this is once again one of those key demographic factors. Um, high school graduate or higher. Um, that's it's eighty nine point one percent, which is I think significantly higher than it was in in decades past, but uh, still, you know, still something we in the United States need to work on. High school diploma could could be higher. Um, Tim, Tim is doing his part. Darn tootin'. Yes. Um, and he doesn't even get thanked for it or paid. <laughs> That's right. The, yeah, my, my salary is officially categorized as a social gratuity. <laughs> um, okay, bachelor's degree. Uh, so those are the people that have graduated college. 34.3%. Uh, um, you know, I could uh, pontificate on that, but I think it's unnecessary. Like I said, demographics, I think, are more interesting to be informed about what you want to uh, say about it, the spin you want to put on it. Uh, you know, it depends on who you are. I think education generally is a good thing. Education and schooling are divergent, but certainly related. Um, and uh, so in as much as you can become educated, do so independent of whether or not you think that that means higher education or not. Um, being uh, an informed and educated person, I think, uh, contributes uh, significantly to the, uh, the quality of your, you know, your neighborhood, the quality of your city and your county and your state. So um, not to mention the quality of your lifestyle. Ah, that, too. Yes, we could talk. I think I actually do have some numbers to want to wrap up here soon, but about um, median income. Real uh, quick, a, a fun fact, Carl. Did you know that it's illegal to pontificate in the Vatican unless you're the Pope? <laughs> uh, that is interesting. Um, <laughs> are, wait, are you, is that true? <laughs> I, I absolutely made that up. Okay. <laughs> But I think it's arguing some syntax here. <laughs> uh, yes, um, he does pontificate, doesn't he? That's right. Um, by definition, even. OK, uh, in income in the United States, median household income, seventy five thousand dollars. Dang it. <laughs> I was going to say, I think a lot of people listening may have just like collectively gasped. That seems pretty high, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. 
I mean, I guess I, what you're, I think what you're doing, so median, remind me of my, your mean, your median, like, are you rolling Jeff Bezos' numbers into this? And then like, is he well, like skewing the, so, this number north? No, average would be skewed by Jeff Bezos because he, you know, he brings right. the average up. Median is a, a rough way of correcting that because right. So now, now he each those outliers. income is right. just a value of one as far as the you know the location of it. So, right. pre- presumably that's uh, on on this scale would be a pretty accurate um, number. I, I suppose one one thing that probably needs to be noted there is that those um, you, so the what that number means would vary largely by region right if if i am making the median income living in down you know downtown new york city then i'm probably living pretty uh hard up um but if i'm i'm making that uh, median income in you know uh inland uh community in say you know suburban arizona then i'm probably doing okay Right. That that certainly makes a huge difference. And then the next number, I think, also, once again, informs uh, that's a medium, median household income per capita income uh, is uh, 41,000. So oh, wow. you're this. These are mostly, you know, two income households. Is oh, what that's saying. Yeah. OK, that uh, you know, you're that's, you know, almost it's not quite double. Obviously, 41,000 doubled would be 82,000, but 75,000. You're saying the vast majority of these um, households have two incomes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's a picture of, you know, obviously the, the where we are with the economy right now is men and women are both in the workforce. Um, and that's uh, reflected in the median household income. Um, OK. I think we're almost done here. I wanted to touch on, uh, let's see, a little bit more just briefly on um, some highlights on uh, education. And that's, uh, as of 2021, the highest level of education population, age 25 and older. So once you hit 25, most people, most people are done with uh, formal education. And so at that point, the snapshot in the demographics say that about 9% have less than a high school diploma. Uh, 28% have just a high school diploma. 15% have some college, but not a degree. 10% have an associate degree. Uh, 24% have a bachelor's degree and f- uh, 14.5% have an advanced degree, like a master's or a doctorate. Fancy. Yeah. Or what? I said fancy, fancy. Yeah, exactly. Those highfalutin master's degrees. Yeah, get out of town. <laughs> um, yeah, the uh, I, I once again for the layman that listen to this podcast, uh, my my recommendation, and we had a, a question here. I don't know a week or two ago, and I'm not great about answering my our social media questions sometimes, but they're asking about how to break into um, tech jobs. Um, and uh, and to pull that into a demographics podcast seems like a bit of shoehorning, but I think mm-hmm. it's important to recognize that the um, the degree to which you can uh, demonstrate a basic level of education, um, obviously is going to influence the ability you have to get a job. 
So if you want to raise your income level, if you want, or at least raise the potential or, or the likelihood that you, uh, that you get a higher paying job, there is no, you know, um, one-to-one -one correlation between getting a master's degree and getting a job that pays you more. That's not the case, right? But it, if we go on statistics, uh, as your education level increases, your salary also increases. Um, and so, uh, you know, if you're looking at these vast numbers of people and, and all of this data about how demographics and urbanization and all, and you're wondering, well, what do I do with this in my life and how can I make this um, useful to me? I think it really is, you know, recognize the trends. Uh, and if you need to make more money to, uh, in order to, you know, survive and, or, or, or be happy, uh, increase education. Um, opportunities might be in urban areas. If you live in a rural area, you might be uh, out of those opportunities. Um, certain countries obviously then have uh, a higher level of uh, older people. So then you need to recognize, okay, well, there's going to be more opportunity in the medical fields. So that can also influence the way what you study and, and the job uh, that you're looking for. So if you recognize these demographics, it can influence your decisions about um, about jobs and, and future decisions about where to live. And uh, so I think it, it's important, regardless of you know race, religion, whatever else, to recognize that um, that these demographics are just baseline facts. And then whatever you're going to do with that, um, it will have an impact on your life and um, of your loved ones. And so, you know, make informed, good decisions for yourself and for your for your for your loved ones, and hopefully, be a force for good in your community. And when, as you look at these trends, um, demographics are not a hundred percent destiny. You may have heard the the phrase before: demographics are destiny. Uh, that's predicting the future, right? Um, they influence the future outcomes, right? But the reality is that. Uh, us laymen, uh, the working man out there, the working woman, um, as you make good informed decisions, as you strive to be a good neighbor and a good person and to represent your area and your demographic group the best you can, you're going to have a, uh, a measurable impact. And that isn't, you can't capture that necessarily in a, in a statistic or in a number. Um, so, but it does, you know, having the full picture gives you a better idea of how to how to use that uh your particular skill set uh particular set of skills like liam neeson did in the movie taken right tim <laughs> that's right uh that is a great monologue by the way <laughs> yeah. anything that, that ends with happened. liam neeson in the movie taken um <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, no, any insight before we sign off here? Um, yeah, yeah. Can I give a quick blurb on implications, the the global oh, stuff? Shoot. Okay, so um, I, I think, Carl, it was actually your dad who I heard say once that, like, demographics is, like, one of the most underreported, like, significant things going on in the world. And we live in such a crazy, fascinating time as far as what's happening with world population so and and it's it is going to have consequences like you said it's not destiny but it's sure going to have an effect 
um, things I think that uh, we can watch for over the next few decades will be one, looking to see the fallout of collapsing populations in uh, in certain areas of the world. You talked about uh, areas that have replacement rates, uh, fertility rate well below um, replacement rate. I'm sorry, that came out weird, but the fertility rates well below replacement and places that couple that with low immigration are going to see their, and in fact, are already seeing their populations begin to decline. Um, that itself isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. However, it can lead to uh, severe stresses. Uh, for example, um, most industrialized nations now have uh, highly developed social um, uh, safety net systems that uh, care for the elderly and, and uh, well, everything that are funded by uh, taxing the working, uh, the, the working people. As these societies become more and more top heavy with more old people who aren't working, but who are um, taxing the system and fewer and fewer people of working age to support that, you're gonna see stresses on these, um, on these programs and systems, austerity measures being necessary. You'll see social, uh, on following those economic stresses, you'll see social stresses as, um, anyways, we, we don't know exactly what's gonna happen, but it's hard to see how it will be pleasant. <laughs> um, the other thing to, to watch for will be watching uh, the regions in the tropics and south of the equator um, as their population continues to grow um, and as they see the benefits from the technological and uh, societal advances that the industrialized nations saw over the course of the last 150, 200 years. Um, and uh, so we'll see those huge shifts. We'll probably see lots of shifts of immigration. You know, anyways, it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, I, for one, am grateful that the United States is not leading the pack in any of these regards, and so we will get to see <laughs> some of the things that happen um, to as other nations go through some of these changes first. But um, it's just something to pay attention to, and it'll be fascinating to watch, and hopefully we'll be able to navigate it as a global community with uh, minimal um, harm. Yes, agreed. Hopefully that is the case. I think the layman, I think that's, it's it's absolutely important to have a realistic and informed take on what's going to be, you know, based on this demographic pic picture, um, you know, what what's going to happen in our country, what's going to happen in, in the world. Um, but once again, I think the layman needs to be a realistic optimist because I think that's the best way to move forward. Uh, <laughs> in the face of uh, the unknown is uh, informed optimism. And uh, I think uh, that, that can, you know, so pessimism might have its place, but I think in uh, in the way that, it, that demographics should influence your decisions, try to be a realistic optimist. And uh, like, like Tim said, I mean, the reality is if your country's aging, you're going to see population dec decline. So 
realistically and op but optimistically, well, what can you do to make sure that you are uh, set up in such a way that you whatever economic fallout there is, whatever uh, you know, uh, national national fallout there is, that you're you're set up for success, that your that your community is set up for success, your family is, so um, you know. Do the things that that uh, that you think are going to have the best influence and the best uh, outcomes on uh, for in the future, based on the real picture of the present. So I guess that's why I wanted to do a diving graphics podcast because let's get a real picture of the present and move forward from there. Yeah, yeah prepare wisely and don't forget to enjoy today and tomorrow. Exactly. Enjoy tomorrow. <laughs> Yes. So on, on that note, uh, go. Uh, you, yeah, hopefully, some of these numbers were useful, and if so, you know, go share them with uh, those around you. More people that we have that are informed uh, and use it in wise ways, the better. <laughs> so uh, we'll be back again soon. I did uh, tease some um, podcast guests. I'm I'm working on it. It's well, I'm not, not as much. As I you will be me. <laughs> oh well, that's true. <laughs> that won't stop either um but uh but yeah we'll uh, we'll be back again soon so join us for our next episode and thanks